physics wow so today i'm going to start a new chapter of physics and its name is introduction to physics this is the first chapter of the uh, the first book of uh, concept of physics which is written by a very famous writer hc verma and this book is very important for the preparation of the jwe examinations so let's go and read the book now so what is physics the nature around us is colorful and diverse it contains phenomena of large varieties the winds the sands the waters the planets the rainbow heating of objects by rubbing the function of a human body the energy coming from the sun and the nucleus and many more there are a large number of objects and events taking place around us physics is the study of nature and its laws we expect that all these different events in nature take place according to some basic laws and revealing these laws of nature from the observed events is physics for example the orbiting of the moon around the earth falling of an apple from a tree and tides in a sea on a full moon night can all be explained if we know the newton's law of gravitation and newton's law of motion physics is concerned with the basic rules which are applicable to all domains of life understanding of physics therefore leads to applications in many fields including bio and medical science the great physicist dr r p feynman has given a wonderful description of what is understanding the nature suppose we do not know the rules of chess but are allowed to watch the moves of the players if we watch the game for a long time we may make out some of the rules right with the knowledge of these rules we may try to understand why a player played a particular move however this may be a very difficult task even if we know all the rules of chess it is not so simple to understand all the complications of a game in a given situation and predict the correct move knowing the basic rules is however the minimum requirement if any progress is to be made one may guess at a wrong rule by partially watching the game the experienced player may make use of a rule for the first time and the observer of the game may get surprised because of the new move some of the rules guessed at may prove to be wrong and the observer will frame new rules physics goes the same way the nature around us is like a big chess game played by nature the events in the nature are like moves of the great game we are allowed to watch the events of nature and guess the basic rules according to which the events take place we may come across new events which do not follow the rules guessed earlier and we may have to declare the old rules inapplicable or wrong and discover new rules since physics is the study of nature it is real no one has been given the authority to frame the rules of physics 
we only discover the rules that are operating in nature. Aryabhat, Newton, Einstein or Feynman are the great physicists because the observation available at that time they could guess and frame the laws of physics which explained these observations in a convincing way. But there can be a new phenomenon any day and if the rules discovered by these great scientists are not able to explain the phenomena, no one will hesitate to change these rules. Physics and maths are connected and hence our next topic is physics and mathematics. The description of nature comes easy if we have the freedom to use mathematics. To say that the gravitational force between two masses is proportional to the product of the masses and is inversely proportional to the square of the distance apart is more difficult to write. F is inversely proportional to m1 into m2 by r square is much easier to write. Further, the techniques of mathematics such as algebra, trigonometry and calculus can be used to make predictions from the basic equations. Thus, if we know the basic rules about the force between two particles, we can use the technique of integral calculus to find what will be the force exerted by a uniform rod on a particle placed on its perpendicular bisector. Thus, mathematics is the language of physics. Without the knowledge of mathematics, it would be much more difficult to discover, understand and explain the laws of nature. The importance of mathematics in today's world cannot be disputed. However, mathematics itself is not physics. We use a language to express our ideas, but the idea that we want to express has the main attention. If we are poor at grammar and vocabulary, it would be difficult for us to communicate our feelings, but while doing so, our basic interest is in the feelings that we want to express. It is nice to board a deluxe coach to go from Delhi to Agra, but the sweet memories of the deluxe coach and the video film shown on the way are next to the prime goal of reaching Agra. To understand nature is physics and mathematics is the deluxe coach to take us comfortably there. This relationship between physics and mathematics must be clearly understood and kept in mind while doing a physics course. Okay, so this was about physics and mathematics, how physics and mathematics are connected to each other. But now let's talk something about units. What are units? Units, uh, if we have to read the book, the book wants to say us that physics describes the laws of nature. This description is quantitative and involves measurement and comparison of physical quantities. To measure a physical quantity, we need some standard unit of that quantity. An elephant is heavier than a coat, but exactly how many times? This question can be easily answered if we have chosen a standard mass calling it a unit mass. If the elephant is 200 times the unit mass and the goat is 20 times, 
we know that the elephant is 10 times heavier than the goat. If I have the knowledge of the unit length and someone says that Gandhi Maidan is 5 times the unit length from here, I have the idea whether I should walk down to Gandhi Maidan or I should ride a rickshaw or I should go by a bus. Thus, the physical quantity are quantitatively expressed in terms of a unit of that quantity. The measurement of the quantity is mentioned in two parts. The first part gives us how many times of the standard unit and the second part gives us the name of the unit. Thus, I have to study for two hours. The numerical part too says that it is two times of the unit of time and the second part which is R says that the unit chosen here is an R. Okay, so this was units, but a question arises here that who decides these units? Who gives us the information about units? Yeah, this is a unit or we'll call this a kilometer or we'll call this a second. So now let's read the book again to answer these questions. How is a standard unit chosen for a physical quantity? The first thing is that it should have international acceptance. Otherwise, everyone will choose his or her own unit for the quantity and it will be difficult to communicate freely among the persons distributed all over the world. A body named Conference Generale des Poids et Measures or CGPM, also known as General Conference on Weights and Measures in English has been given the authority to decide the units by international agreement. It holds its meetings and any changes in standard units are communicated through the publications of the conference. Okay, so we got our answer here. So now let's move to the next topic which is fundamental and derived quantities. There are a large number of physical quantities which are measured and every quantity needs a definition of units. However, not all the quantities are independent of each other. As a simple example, if a unit of length is defined, a unit of area is automatically obtained. If we make a square with its length equal to its breadth, equal to its unit length, its area will be called the unit area. All areas can then be compared to this standard unit of area. Similarly, if a unit of length and a unit of time interval are defined, a unit of speed is automatically obtained. If a particle covers a unit length in unit time interval, we say that it has a unit speed. We can define a set of fundamental quantities as follows. The first one is the fundamental quantities should be independent of each other. And the second one is all other quantities may be expressed in terms of the fundamental quantities. It turns out that the number of fundamental quantities is only 7. All the rest may be derived from these quantities by multiplication and division. Many different choices can be made for the fundamental quantities. For example, one can take speed and time as fundamental quantities. Length is then a derived quantity. 
If something travels at a unit speed, the distance it covers in unit time interval will be called a unit distance. One may also take length and time interval as the fundamental units and then speed will be a derived quantity. Several systems are in use all over the world and in each system and fundamental quantities are selected in a particular way. The units defined for the fundamental particles, uh, the fundamental quantities are called fundamental units and those obtained from derived quantities are called derived units. Fundamental quantities are also called base units. Now let's talk about something much and this is SI units. So in the year 1971, CGPM also called as General Conference on Weights and Measures held its meeting and decided a system of units which is known as the International System of Units. It is abbreviated as SI from the French name Les Systèmes International des Units. This system is widely used throughout the world. Table 1.1 gives us the fundamental quantities and their SI units. So now let's see Table 1.1. So here we have three things, the unit, the name of the unit and the symbol. So first one is length. So now uh, the unit of length is meter and the symbol of meter is a small letter M. Then comes mass which has a unit of kilograms and has a symbol of a kg. Then comes time which has a unit of second and has a symbol of a small letter s. And then electric current which has a unit of ampere which has a symbol of a capital A. Then comes thermodynamic temperature which has a unit name of Kelvin and has a symbol of capital K. And then amount of substance which has a unit of mole and has a symbol of a small name of mole. Just take out the E. M-O-L. Okay. Then comes the luminous intensity. Oh, 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 whoa, what is this? So this is not much important, but let's see. It comes in the seven, uh, the seven fundamental units. So it is a little bit important to just know. So luminous intensity has a unit of candela and the symbol of candela is a small letter C and a D. Okay. Besides the simple fundamental seven units, two supplementary units are defined. They are for plane angle and solid angle. The units for plane angle is radian with the symbol of RAD all in small letter and the unit of solid angle is steradian with the symbol of small letter S and R. Okay, so these were the SI units. SI prefixes. The magnitudes of physical quantities vary over a wide range. We talk of separations between two protons inside a nucleus, which is about 10 to the power 15 meters, and the distance of a quasar from Earth, which is about 10 to the power 26 meters. The mass of an electron is 9.1 into 10 to the power minus 31 kilograms and 
that of our galaxy is about 2.2 into 10 to the power 41 kilograms. The CGPM recommended standard prefixes for certain powers of 10. Table 1.2 shows these prefixes. So now let's talk about table 1.2, it's about the SI prefixes. So there are three columns here, the power of 10, the prefix and the symbol. So we'll see one by one uh, the numbers, then their prefixes, then their symbol. So the first number is 18, which has a prefix of XA and a symbol of capital E. Then 15, which is uh, PETA and has a symbol of capital P. Then comes 12, which has a prefix of TERRA and a symbol of capital T. Then comes number 9, which has a prefix of GIGA and a symbol capital G. Then comes 6, which has a prefix of MEGA and has, has a symbol <laughs> capital M. Then uh, there's 3, which is KILO and has a symbol of small letter K. And then comes 2, which is HECTO and has a symbol small letter H. Then is 1 which is DECA and has a symbol DA both in small. Then comes DECI. What is DECI? DECI is minus 1. Okay, the power gets minus 1 then we call it DECI. Uh, means the prefix is DECI. And the symbol is small letter D. Then comes minus 2. If the power is minus 2 then we call it. Then the prefix is CENTI. And the symbol is small letter C. Then comes MILLI which has a number of minus 3 as a power and uh, the symbol is small letter m then comes micro which is 6 minus 6 okay micro and the uh, and the symbol is this symbol is quite different this symbol is mu it is the 12th letter of the greek alphabet then comes minus 9 uh, as a power and uh, the prefix used is nano and has a symbol of small letter n then comes minus 12 which has a prefix of pico and has a symbol of small letter p. Then is minus 15 which is femto and has a symbol of small letter f. Then comes minus 18 which has a prefix of eto and a symbol of small letter a. Now let's talk about some definitions of these base units. Any standard unit should have these following two properties. The first one is invariability. The standard unit must be invariable, thus defining distance between the tip of the middle finger and the elbow as a unit of length is not invariable. And the second one is availability. The standard unit should be easily made available for comparing with other quantities. The procedures to define a standard value as a unit are quite often not very simple and use modern equipments. Thus, a complete understanding of these procedures cannot be given in the first chapter. We briefly mention the definitions of the base units which may serve as a reference if needed. The first base unit which we will be defining is meter. It is the unit of length. The distance travelled by a light in vacuum in 1 divided by 299792 Four five eight seconds is called one meter. What? What? What did you say, bro? I'll I'll explain. See, when light travels a distance in vacuum, and the distance is travelled between one divided by two nine nine seven nine two four five eight seconds, then 
that distance covered by light is called as 1 meter. So this was a meter. If you don't remember the numbers, it's okay. But if you do, it will be better for you. So the next one is kilogram. And the definition of kilogram is the mass of a cylinder made of platinum, iridium alloy kept at International Bureau of Weights and Measures is defined as 1 kilogram. Oh my god. Okay, let me simplify. See, there is a cylinder, there is a cylinder made of platinum and iridium alloy and it is kept at uh, the International Bureau of Weights and Measures and the mass of that cylinder is uh, is referred to as one kilogram and all the world, all the people in the world uh, understand that yes, okay, we'll, okay, 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 I, okay, okay, we'll take it as one kilogram, okay, 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 okay. The next one is second and warning, the definition is quite long. So I'll start reading the definition if you are okay with it. Let's start. Cesium-133 atom emits electromagnetic radiations of several wavelengths. The particular radiation is selected which corresponds to the transition between the two hyperfine levels of the ground state of cesium atom-133. Each radiation has a time period of repetition of certain characteristics. The time duration in 919-631-770 times period of the selected transition is defined as one second. Oh my god, this was quite huge, but I'll make it easy. Okay, keeping the jokes aside, let's come back to the book. This next one is Ampere, 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 oh, oh jokes aside. Suppose, long, uh, two long straight wires with the negligible cross-section are placed parallel to each other in vacuum at a separation of one meter and electric current are established in two or in same direction, the wires attract each other. If Equal currents are maintained in the two wires, so the force between them is 2 into 10 to the power minus 7 newton per meter of the wires. The current in any of the wire is called as 1 ampere. Here, the newton is the SI unit of the force. The next one is Kelvin, and the definition is very small, but you would have to remember some of these words. Which also, uh, which I also don't know much, okay, I'm, I'm also not very knowledgeable, okay, I'm also preparing for IIT, I'm not IITian right now, okay, 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 let's read. The fraction, 1 divided by 276, <gasps> not 276, it's 273.16 of the thermodynamic temperature, a triple point of what is 1 Kelvin, okay, let's read it again because I messed up, okay, let's read again. The fraction 1 divided by 273.16 of the thermodynamic temperature of triple point of water is 1 Kelvin. Wow, this was better. The next one is mole and it also has a big definition. And the definition starts like this. The amount of a substance that contain as many elementary entities, which means molecules of atom if Substance is monoatomic, as there are numbers of an atoms in 0.012 kilograms of carbon-12 is called a mole. The number of uh, the carbon-12, 0.012 kilogram of carbon-12 atom is called as Avogadro's constant and its best value available is 6.022045 into 10 to the power 23 
which has an uncertainty of 0.000031 into 10 to the power 23. Okay, I can't simplify this. Okay, I can't simplify this because it is a definition. It is already simplified. There is uncertainty in this definition. How can I make it certain? How can I simplify this? The next one is candela. The SI unit of luminous intensity is one candela which is the luminous intensity of a black body or surface area 1 divided by 600,000 meters square placed at the temperature of freezing platinum at a pressure of 101, 325 newtons per meter square in the direction perpendicular to its surface. Oh my goody aunt, what happened to my accent? I'll turn into a Britisher. Here we are done with the base units, now let's move to something new. And this new thing is dimensions. And dimensions is the main focus to us because the first chapter which is introduction to physics is also known as units and dimensions. So now let's read what is a dimension, what does dimension mean? All the physical quantities of interest can be derived from the base quantities. When a quantity is expressed in terms of the base quantities, it is written as a product of different powers of the base quantities. The exponent of a base quantity that enters into the expression is called the dimension of the quantity in, the, in that base. To make it clear, consider the physical quantity force. As we shall learn later, force is equal to mass times acceleration. Acceleration is change in velocity divided by the time interval. Velocity is length divided by time interval. Thus, force is equal to mass into acceleration, which further gets more difficult like this. Force which is equal to mass into acceleration, which means mass into velocity divided by time because acceleration equals to velocity divided by time. So, if we have to say that, okay, force is equal to mass into acceleration, then we would have to simplify acceleration too. Hence, force is equals to mass into velocity divided by time because the acceleration has been converted much further into a simpler form. Then if we further simplify this uh, equation, uh, then we'll get that mass is equal, uh, then we'll get the force is equals to mass into Length divided by time, divide by time. Oh my god, what happened here? Okay, I'll tell you. See, force equals mass into acceleration, okay? The acceleration got uh, further simplified into velocity divided by time. So, the equation became force is equals to mass into velocity divided by time, which further got simplified as uh, there was velocity, which was still uh, making some problems into the equation. We simplified that and we got force is equals to mass into the length which is the distance divided by time which is also divided again with the time because of the, the, the equation which was there before and uh, the, the thing which we got in the end is force equals mass into length times time with the power minus 2 as the time gets, uh, gets as the denominator and the numerator piece, uh, the numerator is the length, okay. So the denominator has the power 2 and if we have to write it in an equation, then we'll write as force is equal to mass into length into time with the power negative 2. 
Thus, the dimensions of force are 1 in mass, 1 in length, and 2 in time, minus 2, okay? The dimensions in all other base units are 0. Note that in this type of calculation, the magnitudes are not considered. It is equally uh, of the type of quantity that enters. Thus, change in velocity, initial velocity, average velocity, final velocity, all are equivalent in this discussion. Each one is length divided by time. For convenience, the base quantities are represented by one-letter symbols. Generally, mass is denoted by capital letter M, length by capital letter L, time by capital letter T, and electric current by capital letter I, the thermodynamic pressure, the amount of substance, and the luminous intensity are denoted by the symbols of that units K and mol or candela. And in this mol, mol or it is not M A double, it is M O L. Okay, so it is M O not E. Okay, don't write E with it. It is M O L only. And then it is, and then there is candela, respectively. The physical quantity that is expressed in terms of base quantities is enclosed in square brackets. Okay, in to remind the that the equation is almost. Uh, relation is among the dimensions and not among the magnitudes. Thus, equation 1.2 may be written as force equals mlt to the power minus 2. Such an expression for a physical quantity in terms of the base quantities is called the dimensional formula. Thus, the dimensional formula of force is mlt to the power minus 2. The two versions given below are equivalent and are used interchangeably. The first one is the dimensional formula of force which is mlt to the power minus 2 and in this minus 2 is about the t only okay the m and l are having 1 as their power and 2 is uh, sorry negative 2 is the power of the time which is capital letter t. Then is the second one, the dimensions of force are 1 in mass, 1 in length and minus 2 in time which is uh, the same thing but we are writing it as a sentence, okay, we are writing it more precisely, okay. So now let's move to the next topic which is the uses of dimensions. The first use of dimension is homogeneity or dimensions in an equation. An equation contains several terms which are separated from each other by the symbols of equality, plus or minus. Okay, so there are three things, equality, plus or minus. We can differentiate the terms on the basis of these three things. The dimensions of all the terms in an equation must be identical. There is another way, uh, okay, that, this is another way of uh, saying that one can add or subtract similar physical quantities. Okay, if you want to subtract something from the other, you would have to see that yes, these two things can be subtracted. Okay, you can't subtract something which is not which cannot be subtracted from the other one. You can't subtract two minus x. You can't write like that. Okay, two minus x is not uh, x must be something. X must be any number. Okay, so th there should be something from which you can subtract. Okay, so. Let's read again. <laughs> Thus, a velocity cannot be added to a force or an electric current 
cannot be subtracted from the thermodynamic pressure or uh, temperature sorry this simple principle is called the principle of homogeneity of dimensions in an equation and is an extremely useful method to check whether an equation may be correct or not if the dimensions of all the terms are not same the equation must be wrong let us check the equation x is equals to ut plus 1 by 280 square for the dimensional homogeneity here x is the distance traveled by a particle in time t which starts at a speed u and has an acceleration a along with the direction of motion x equals a and uh, if we talk about ut which is uh, the time and the initial the speed so u and t can be written as velocity into time because uh, u is uh, the speed and t is the time so if we simplify this further we'll get velocity as length divided by time in two times so what do we get here the time gets cancelled and we have length remaining so ut equals the letter capital l which denotes the length then comes 1 by 280 square let's see this so here we have acceleration into time 1 by 280 square let's uh, kick out the 1 by 2 thing because we don't want it we are just considered with uh, we just consider a and t here okay so 80 square 1 by 280 square at so here a denotes acceleration and t as we know time so acceleration into time squared 80 squared what does happen here acceleration what is acceleration acceleration is velocity divided by time which we had learned uh, earlier in the earlier examples so here we can write uh, that uh, acceleration into time squared which is velocity divided by time into time squared and further if we go we'll see that velocity gets further uh, in uh, gets further turned into um, length divided by time which is uh, again divided by time into the t square which was there in 1 by 280 square which was going on with us so length divide we have now we have this right now okay we have the equation length divided by time again divided by time into time squared okay so if we put the time with the length again in the denominator we'll have the length divided by the uh, time squared into time squared okay so the the time square and time square gets cut not the time square of that new york okay this is the other time square okay so we'll have only length remaining the uh, time square time square gets cut we have length remaining so what do we have ut is equals to 1 by 280 square what do we have here one we are adding ut plus 1 by 280 square okay so ut is length uh, as we have got earlier and now we got the ut square also as length so we are adding both uh, as the lengths okay so we are okay with this equation okay so we have used the homogeneity of dimensions in an equation that is the homogeneity of dimensions in this equation thus the equation is correct as far as the dimensions are concerned there are some limitations of the homogeneity of dimensions in an equation what are these note that the dimensions of 1 by 280 square is same as the of 80 square we know that pure numbers are dimensionless dimensions does not depend on the magnitude due to the reason the equation x is equals to ut plus 80 square is also dimensionally correct thus a dimensionally correct option uh, equation need not be 
actually correct, but a dimensionally wrong equation must be wrong. What does it have to tell us about? What does this thing uh, want to explain to us? See, it has to say that, see, we had x equals to ut plus 1 by 2ut square, but when we simplified, when we uh, took out the uh, magnitudes, oh, sorry, not the magnitudes, the dimensions of ut and at square, we got uh, the same thing, the length, okay, in ut also and 1 by 2 at square also, and at square also. But the 1 by 2 was uh, making some problem. What was the problem? You, you will get the answer, you will get the answer, but if you don't put 1 by 2, you won't get the correct answer. Okay, you are dimensionally correct, but you won't be correct in terms of your answer. Okay, your answer won't be correct because the 1 by 2 is not there. You can't write 1 by 2, uh, you can't leave 1 by 2 and just put you, uh, uh, the ut plus 1 by 2 at square. Okay, uh, sorry, 1 by 2 is not there. Okay, ut plus at square, you can't put only uh, ut plus at square. Okay, you would have to put 1 by 2 in order to make your answer correct. Okay, so there is an importance of the constant term okay what is the constant term here 1 by 2 okay next we have the convention of units what is the convention of units let's read when we choose to work with a different set of units for the base quantities the quantities of all the derived quantities must be changed dimensions can be used in finding the conversion factor of the unit of a derived con physical quantity from one system to other Consider an example. When SI units are used, the unit of pressure is 1 Pascal. Suppose we choose 1 centimeter as the unit of length, 1, uh, one gram as the unit of mass, and 1 second as the unit of time. This system is still in wide use and called as CGS system. The unit of pressure will be different in this system. Let us call it the time being 1 CGS pressure. Now, how many CGS pressure is equal to 1 Pascal? This question makes us, uh, this question is quite, uh, you know, weird, right? <laughs> Don't find it weird. See, let us first write the dimensional formula, okay? Let's first write the dimensional formula of pressure. We have P is equals to F by A, okay? What is F? F is the force and A is the area, okay? So P is equals to F by A. What is F? The force. So what do we know? The dimension of force is MLT minus 2. We should remember this. It is very easy. MLT minus, uh, sorry, MLT to the power minus 2. And what is area? The length squared. Area is length squared. So what do we have here? Pascal is equals to MLT minus 2 divided by length squared, which equals to M with the power, uh, ML with the power minus 1 and T with the power minus 2. So 1 Pascal equals 1 gram, 1 meter divided by 1 meter and which is into the time, oh, let's, let, no, not, and why don't, why are we saying it like this? 1 Pascal equals to 1 kilogram into 1 meter divided uh, to the power minus 1 and uh, 1 second to the power minus 2, okay? So 1 Pascal divided by 1 CGS pressure equals 1 kilogram divided by 1 gram, 1 meter divided by 1 centimeter to the power minus 1, 1 second divided by 1 second to the power minus 2. So 1 Pascal equals 10 CGS if we solve this, okay, if we solve 1 gram, uh, 1 kilogram by gram, 1 meter by centimeter to the power minus 1 and 1 second by uh, 1 second divided to the power minus 2, <coughs> sorry, we have 10 to the power 3, 10 to the power 2 and minus 1 to much, give it more power. So we'll get 10 as our answer here. Thus, 
Knowing the convention factors of the base quantities, one can work out the convention factor for any derived quantity if the dimensional formula of the derived quantity is known. Deducing relation among the physical quantities. This is the third point. What is it? Deducing relation among the physical quantities. There must be some relation. Sometimes dimensions can be used to deduce a relation between the physical quantities. If one knows the quantities on which a particular physical quantity depends and if one guesses that this dependence is of product type, method of, of dimensions may be helpful in the derivation of the relation. Now there are some limitations of the dimensional method which is Although dimensional analysis is very useful in deducing certain relations, it cannot lead us too far. First of all, we have to know the quantities on which a, part a particular physical quantity depends. Even the method works only if the dependence is of the product type. For example, the distance traveled by a uniformly accelerated particle depends upon the initial velocity which is u and the acceleration and the time. But the method of dimensions cannot lead us to the correct expression of x because the expression is not of the product type. It is equal to uh, the sum of the two terms as x is equal to ut plus 1 by 280 square. Secondly, the numerical cons constants having no dimensions cannot be deduced by the method of dimensions. In the example of time period of a simple pendulum, an unknown constant k remains in equation. One has to know from somewhere else that this constant is 2 pi r, uh, only 2 pi. Thirdly, the method works only in there, only if there are as many equations available as there are unknown. In mechanical quantities, only three base quantities occur, which is length, mass and time. So dimensions of these three may be equated in the guest relation, giving at most three equations in the exponents. If a particular quantity depends on more than three quantities, we shall have more unknown and less equations. The exponents cannot be determined uniquely in such a case. Similar constraints are present for electrical or other non-mechanical quantities. Order of magnitude is the another topic which we have to learn about. The word is the magnitude. What is magnitude? What is the order of magnitude? Let's read. In physics, we come across quantities which vary over a wide range. We talk of the size of a mountain and the size of the tip of a pen. We talk of the masses of our galaxy and the masses of a hydrogen atom. We talk of the age of the universe and the time taken by an electron to complete a circle around a proton in an atom. It becomes quite difficult to get a feel of largeness of, or smallness of such quantities. To express such widely varying numbers, one uses the powers of 10 method. What are these 10 method? Let's read. In this method, each number is expressed as a into 10 to the power b, where 1 is smaller or equal to a, which is smaller than 10, and b is a positive or negative integer. Thus, the diameter of the sun is expressed as 1.39 into 10 to the power 9 meters. 
and the di diameter of a hydrogen atom as 1.06 into 10 to the power minus 10 meter. To get an approximate idea of the number, one may round the number a to 1 if it is less than or equal to 5 and to 10 if it is greater than 5. The number can be expressed approximately as 10 to the power b. We then get the order of magnitude of that number. Thus, the diameter of the sun is of the order of 10 to the power 9 meters and that of the hydrogen atom is of the order of 10 to the power minus 10 meters. More precisely, the exponent of 10 in such a representation is called the order of the magnitude of that quantity. Thus, the diameter of sun is 19 orders of magnitude larger than the diameter of a hydrogen atom. This is because the order of magnitude of 10 to the power 9 is 9 and of 10 to the power minus 10 is minus 10 and the difference of these both is 19. To quickly get an approximate value of a quantity in a given physical situation, one can make an order of magnitude calculation. In this, all numbers are approximated to 10 to the power b form and calculations is made. Let us estimate the number of persons that may sit in a circular field of radius 800 meter. The area of the field is a equals to pi r square, which is the area of the circle, which equals to 3.14 into 10 into 800 meters because the radius is 800 meters, which equals to uh, the 10 to the power 6 and meters squared because it is area. The average area of person occupies in sitting is 500 uh, sorry 50 centimeter into 50 centimeter which equals to 0.25 meter squared which equals to 2.5 into 10 to the power minus 1 meter squared which further equals to 10 to the power minus 1 meter squared the number of persons who can sit in the field is denoted by the letter n which equals to 10 to the power 6 meter squared divided by 10 to the power minus 1 meter squared which equals to 10 to the power 7 meter meter square gets cut okay so we have 10 to the power 7 means 10 with uh, following seven zeros okay can uh, persons can sit okay thus the order of 10 to the power 7 persons may sit in the field the structure of world what is the structure of world the next topic are wow <laughs> the, the, okay so we are at the end of the chapter and let's read the last topic this is the last topic the structure of the world Man has always been interested to find how the world is structured. Long, long ago, scientists suggested that the world is made up of certain indivisible small particles. The number of particles in the world is large, but the varieties of particles are not many. Old Indian philosopher Kanadi derives this name from this proposition in Sanskrit or Hindi. Kana, uh, which means a small particle. After extensive experimental work, people arrived at the conclusion that the world is made up of just three types of ultimate particles, the proton, the neutron and the electron. All objects which we have around us are the aggregation of atoms and molecules. The molecules are composed of atoms and 
the atoms have at their heart a nucleus containing protons and neutrons. Electrons move around the nucleus in special arrangements. It is the number of protons, neutrons and electrons in an atom that decides all the properties and behavior of a material. Large number of atoms combine to form an object of moderate or large size. However, the laws that we generally deduce for the macroscopic objects are not always applicable to atoms, molecules, nuclei or the elementary particles. These laws, known as classical physics, deal with large size objects only. When we say a particle is classical or uh, uh, is in classical physics, we mean an object which is small as compared to other moderate or large size objects and for which the classical physics is valid. It may still contain millions and millions of atoms in it. Thus, a particle of dust dealt in classical physics may contain about 10 to the power 18 atoms. 20th century experiments have revealed another aspect of the construction of world. There are perhaps no limitations sorry, no ultimate indivisible particle. Hundreds of elementary particles have been discovered and there are free transformations for, uh, from one such particle to the other. Nature is seen to be a well-connected entity. So hereby I complete the chapter. This was the chapter. I'll have a chapter talk which will be shorter than this. This was the, uh, you can also call it, uh, call it as a uh, uh, as something which we uh, as like we read the book okay <laughs> we read the book but we just got the in, uh, little information not little uh, uh, almost 80% of the information of the chapter will cover the 20% in the next episode in which uh, not the episode in the next podcast in which we'll be talking about this chapter only we'll talk we'll talk the chapter we'll not read the chapter okay we'll talk the chapter we'll take one by one topics and we'll talk about it okay so Meet you in the next episode or the next podcast of the Introduction to Physics. This is me, Chinmay Pancholi, signing off. Bye-bye.